So God's given me a chance to redo this one, as in the first attempt, as a listener pointed out to me, did not record. Awkward. But that's good, because after hitting, you know, publish and stuff, there's something I thought, oh, I should have included that. So, you know, here we go. Alright, so, I had the opportunity to listen to somebody give a presentation a couple days ago, and I say presentation, and he led it, but it actually fostered, intentionally so, a lot of discussion amongst us as participants. And one of the things that he brought up over the course of this discussion, presentation, was DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, pause. It's a hot-button issue. I know. I don't mean to stir pots or open worms or cans of worms or whatever. But we're going to talk about it anyway, so here we go. Alright, so, now... This presenter, who is a professor at a university, who, interestingly enough, also said, you know, you can find citations for anything these days, noted that research is starting to show, now that we've been doing this for a little bit, that DEI training in corporate settings, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, are actually not producing the results of, let's say, healthier more inclusive or harmonious, shall we say, workspaces, even though these consultants continue to be paid about $2,500 an hour. And he said something insightful that's like, well, yeah, that goes without saying, but nobody realizes it because nobody said it. These trainings get people, get us to focus on our differences, Well, yes, because I'm sure pontificators and podcasters for a while have been saying diversity shares an etymological root with divisive and divide. So basically, by its name, diversity, equity, and inclusion forces us first to focus on those things which make me distinct as an individual. Yes, which divide us from each other. And what's worse is that it even continues to subdivide us. It gets us to focus on our classifications, our demographics. And then we get to equity. Well, no, let me back up. Let's not go to equity yet. I want to say a little bit more. Hopefully not too much more. When I say that diversity, in this type of a sense, gets us to focus on our distinctions and what divides us, it really, really does. Because it forces us to consider what makes somebody other than me. And it forces me to consider what makes me other than somebody else, which then inflames my pride or my my desire to be pugnacious and fight for myself. Because I am distinct from you. Not only am I distinct from you, but you can't possibly understand me because of these distinctions, or I must teach you, which I'm resentful to do because I shouldn't have to teach you. And I need, ought, deserve to be respected in all of my differences which are different from you. Which brings us now to equity. And I want to talk about equity in terms of or by contrasting it with equality. Again, something else that I know a lot of pontificators and podcasters have, you know, blabbered about. And I have no desire to add myself to a list of voices that are just screaming at things. 
Although my voice tends to get impassioned, you should see a buddy of mine over at Unsafe Media. He talks much more rationally about such things than I do, or at least with a more rational tone of voice. Anyway, oh, trigger warning. You're going to hear my cat scratching at something in the background. I'm sorry if that offends you. Uh, So, equity in terms of equality, or not in terms of, but equity and equality contrasted. The best way to do this is think in terms of prepositions. Equity with, as opposed to equality between. If we think about this, we are first diverse, meaning we are all different, and these differences are concrete and not bridgeable. They're distinct. You are not me. I am not you. We are other from each other, and to a certain extent, we are opposed to each other. By seeking equity with, what we're trying to say is we want an equal voice at the table. I'm trying to, I had this so much better than the one that didn't record. (sighs) Equity is this idea of, it's been described as equal outcomes for different people. Maybe the best analogy to think about it is you've got something teetering on uh, a pivot point. Imagine like a plank of wood, a board on top of a pyramid. And equity is this idea that all of us All the distinct identities, all the distinct demographics deserve an equitable place on that teetering board. And the goal is to get the board to balance, but the problem is is that it's such a tenuous task, and each person is so self-focused on making sure that their position on the board is firmly established. And it's entirely self-focused. As opposed to equality among, which assumes a common foundation. Because equality among people suggests that there's a common identity, a common demographic, that does have, let's call it shades, within that or on top of that but equality comes when we re- when we take everything back to that more foundational identity or demographic and operate from there so let's say equality among americans you have male americans and female americans you have americans of this ethnicity and americans of that ethnicity but the thing is that we're all americans and that in and of itself entitles us to be treated equally, to participate equally, wholesale, as Americans. And then in bringing my voice, or my perspective, or my experiences, to whatever conversation that may be, a corporate board, a basic meeting among co-workers, a social outing, participation in politics, it can actually go to a certain extent better because I am coming with a position of goodwill. Goodwill in that I'm an American dealing with fellow Americans. And though there may be contention, sometimes severe contention, I can actually be okay because of that common idea that we're all American and there is equality among 
us. I'm making a hand motion in a circle. As opposed to equity between us. You have between different points, which are non-reconcilable. Among points which are common. And that brings us to the I, inclusion. Inclusion as opposed to integration. Again, inclusion has this idea of imagine chairs in a circle. And there are all these distinct people who are all very identifiably different. You are XYZ. This person is Alpha, Beta, Gamma. That person is whatever you call the characters that you write um, Swahili with in its native version, not using our Phoenician alphabet. This person is Chinese characters. That person is the wingdings, as in the font on, you know, word. You get my analogy. And everybody needs to be included in some sort of a conversation, but it still recognizes the fundamental differences, distinctions, that we are all others. To a certain extent, irreconcilable. So how do you have a community? How do you actually work together? Especially since you're so hyper-focused on include me, include me. That's my carpet, by the way. But integration has this idea at its foundation that there is a common goal, a common community, a common purpose. A context within which to bring others in and foster that idea of an actual I'm a broken record. Commonality. It seems to go without saying. And integration doesn't require a giving up of distinctions. It doesn't require us to just blindly negate or pretend that baggages and experiences and perspectives exist. It's actually the integration that allows these distinctions to come into their own and actually contribute to the greater good. An analogy I've often used in discussing situations like this is the context like of a stew. You take all the different ingredients, the different flavors of a stew, and they don't compete with each other. But by integrating them into the holistic taste of the stew, the stew which has an identification, by the way, it is either a beef stew or, you know, whatever other kind of stew you can make. If those are balanced and integrated appropriately, then the flavors are noticeable and add to the overall distinct and wonderful taste of the stew. And this brings us back to the church. Well, trust me, it brings us back to the church. I recognize that that seems like somewhat of a non-sequitur. Um, twice. Once in Galatians, once in Colossians, Paul says, In Christ there is no this or that, you know, slave or free, woman or man, barbarian, Scythian. And in one of them, he even goes so far as to say Jew or Greek which is a racial distinction. You have the races of the Jews, the common bloodline, ethnicity, from Abraham, and you have the Gentiles, all the racial non-Jews, 
Gentiles, same root where we get gene and genetic. And then within the Gentiles, you have all the various kinds of other ethnicities, Italian, Greek, Roman, Egyptian, Arab, Syrian, even things that we might not recognize, but other people call subcategories. You've got the Angles and you've got the Saxons. You've got the Irish Celts and you've got the Scottish Celts. Not necessarily the same thing. Not necessarily. And it'd be ridiculous to say, to pull up as like a straw man argument, so what? Is Jesus saying that all of a sudden that I'm not either a guy and you're not a girl just because we're in Christ? No, what he's saying is that in Christ there is this common foundation, this more fundamental identity of Christian that you are. And then if you jump over to Ephesians, which discusses the church and how the wall of animosity between people who distinguish themselves, who focus on their diversity and the self-centered nature of all that, is broken down and we can actually integrate with each other into a single church. As the Apostle Peter points out, you were not a people, and now you are God's people. You are one thing. So don't divide yourselves. (laughs) And it's by using this common foundation that these other differences, or I call them factors a lot of the time, being male or female, being of a certain ethnicity, can actually be dealt with harmoniously because we come to each other with I was about to say good faith but good will reminds me actually of what the angels said to the shepherds glory to God in the highest and peace to people of good will peace being more than just non-hostility North and South Korea don't have peace They have an armistice. They have a ceasefire. Peace is so much broader than that. Look at explanations of the peace offering in Leviticus. Chapter 2, 3, something like that. It is this idea of binding together. Almost like alliance, friendship. And so with the foundation in Christ, we can actually come to each other as people of goodwill, fellow Christians, and we can deal with whatever it is that we have to as a, for lack of better phrasing, diverse community. And in that, we can fare much better than the age around us. So that's what I would encourage Christians to do, I guess. Be aware of our distinctions. Be aware of our factors. Absolutely. But recognize that we are all equal at the foot of and within the blood from the cross 
and give the Holy Spirit his way. Get out of his way so that he may mature us into the knowledge of Christ with sober minds which will resist the devil and we can be integrated with each other into his church which is that kingdom go to Daniel 2 which is that kingdom which will never fail that one which supersedes all other divisions. Alright. So, there you go. Hope that made sense. Hope that was helpful.